0: Hello, and welcome to Around the Tree. This is a cultural podcast which will explore Africa and its history, connecting the continent to its diaspora. From ancient times to present day, we will embrace African culture in its beautiful diversity, traveling from Kinshasa to Kingston, or Lagos to London. We will learn about its customs, its music, its art, its literature, its food, and much more. So if you want to discover this great continent, connect with its people, or simply love Africa? This podcast is for you. This is Lissanga Vibes' official podcast. My name is Marcy Masaki, and I will be your host. Let's go. In this first episode, we will discuss the life and legacy of Papa Wimba, the king of Roomba. For those of you who do not know Papa Wemba, he was a famous Congolese singer who died not so long ago. And he also happens to be my father's favorite singer. So I would like to dedicate this first episode to my parents for giving me their love for great music and also pay tribute to an incredibly talented artist as we celebrate his birthday today. So join me in celebrating African music. And as we begin this journey, I'm taking you back home. Today's episode begins in 1949. We are in the city of Lubefu, which is in the province of Sankuru and in the great region of Kasai in Congo. In order to help you locate Lubefu on the world map, close your eyes, picture Africa, point right in the middle, and that's it. You found Lubefu. Now back to the story. At the time, Congo is still under Belgian colonial rule, and in that post World War II Congo, It is the 14th of June and the community is celebrating a newborn. Mama Nyundo just gave birth to her first son, Jules Shungu Wimbadio Pene Kikumba. The community is celebrating the birth of a new star, but they don't know it yet. The music you've just heard is typical from that area, and the people who live in that area are called the Batetela. Batetela people are very important in Congolese history. In fact, that area has a very particular spirit to it, because it also gave birth to one of the greatest Mutetela who led the country to its independence a few years later. His name is Patrice Lumumba, but that's another story. For now, we will focus on the newborn Shungu, who was just celebrated by his community. His father was a military man who fought during World War II in the Belgian army. He was a very serious man who had great ambitions for his son to become someone of importance one day. His mother was a professional mourner. This basically means that she was attending funerals to sing and honor the memory of the deceased as they transitioned to the ancestors. When his father came back from the war, he decided to stay in the capital and bring over his whole family with him. So Young Shungu and his mother moved to the capital at the dawn of the independences, a time at which artists such as Wendo Colosoy, Le Grand Cali, Lucie Yinga, or Franco Luambo Makadi were nurturing the nation's dreams of independence with mesmerizing rumba rhythms. At that time, the capital was not yet known as Kinshasa. It was named after a man who brutally conquered the land and massacred millions of Congolese for the sake of profit, King Leopold II of Belgium. The level of horrors and colonial brutality that Congolese people suffered was such that even the other colonial powers of the time described it as atrocious. The downside of this was over 10 million of Congolese lives lost and even more traumatized, raped, brutalized and forced to extract more rubber at the risk of losing their lives from sunup to sundown. So in Leopoldville, you will probably not be surprised to hear that the city was also divided into areas that were not accessible to all Congolese unless they had a specific pass for it and it is only after independence that the city would be renamed Kinshasa in 1966. Shungu and his family lived in the area of Matongi, which is one of the most culturally important neighbourhoods when it comes to music. Every Sunday, many traditional groups would walk street after street to play their own particular style of music for people, and given that Congo has over 400 groups in its vast territory, I can only let you imagine the incredible diversity the country is blessed with. To this very day, walking in the streets of Matongi feels like attending an open-air concert for free, 24-7. Mama Nyondo and her baby boy Jules had a very close relationship and she took him everywhere with her including funerals where he would listen to her and other women sing in harmony for hours. She is probably responsible for his early sense of musical harmony as she exposed him from a very young age to a strong musical culture. She wanted him to attend a Catholic school so he joined one and started singing in their choir. His voice, already high pitched, was noticed amongst all students. He was definitely a tenor. Jules Chungu also vividly remembered the 4th of January, 1959. On that day, uprisings took place in the capital. And those uprisings lasted for three days. And if it wasn't for those uprisings, Belgian government probably intended to grant Congo its independence over a thirty year period. So what happened is that a few years earlier, a Belgian professor had issued a report which was recommending a 30-year emancipation plan for Congo. So if it wasn't for that day, and if it wasn't for Congolese people saying no, we're not having this, we've had enough, and Belgians have to leave now, the country would probably still be under colonial rule until 1985. Yongjul remembered that day and the violent repression by the colonial authorities for a long time. So fast forward a few years, the newly independent Congo goes through a period of political unrest and instability. That painful political transition has seen the leader of the independence, Patrice Lumumba, being assassinated by a coalition of external and internal forces. And one of the men who participated in that assassination came into power through a successful military coup. So in 1965, the young head of the army, Joseph-Désiré Mobutu, became president. And a few months later, he appointed Patrice Lumumba as the first national hero of the country, although he took an active role in his assassination. So back to Shungu's life. At the time, his days were split between playing football and singing with his friends. And when listening to his interviews, it is very interesting to hear how passionate he was and how he simply enjoyed singing in the streets of Kinshasa with his friends for the love and beauty of music. They were making their own instruments and they really had a good time. So he eventually decided to drop his football dreams to become a full-time singer. Later on, he formed a band known as Langa Langa with two of his friends in the late 60s. They are one of the major bands who revolutionized Congolese music and which can relate to many different generations as they've been active since the late 60s. They brought so many classic hits to Congolese music that you cannot miss them. And even today in family gatherings and celebrations, you have an extremely high probability of listening to some of their songs. So really, if you do not know anything about Congolese music, you need to check them out because they are a major reference. Before we continue with the story, it is important to understand the political context in which Zaiko Langalanga was born. In the mid 60s, a new president is coming through a military coup and with a strong ideology. That ideology was known as the recourse to authenticity. Mobutu's vision was to bring back the country to its roots and for its population to fully embrace its cultural heritage and value their cultural traditions before they had any interactions with the colonizers. This policy manifested itself in various different ways into the daily lives of Congolese people. First, all cities, streets, squares were renamed. That's when Leopoldville became Kinshasa, Elizabethville became Lubumbashi, and Stanleyville became Kisangani, and so on. Then, at a second stage, a new currency called Zaire was launched. Its name is derived from the Kikongo word Nzadi, which means river. Why? Because if you know about Congo, you know that Congo not only refers to the land and its people but also to the Congo River which is the natural border between the two Congos. And historically, it has been the center of many interactions and trade for its people. One of the most important aspects of this policy is that all citizens had to drop their Christian names and became proud Congolese with authentic African names. There are many other aspects, but we do not have enough time to mention them in details here. So when Shungu and his friends decided to form a new band in December 1969, it completely made sense to them to follow the overall wave of authenticity that the country was going through. The name Zaiko langa is the combination of several ideas. First, you have Zaiko, the contraction of the words Zai and Bangkoko. Zai, which we've already explained, and Bangkoko, which means ancestors. Then follows Langa Langa, which basically means singing, singing twice. So from its inception, the essence of the band would be to sing the land of their ancestors. The three founding members of the band were Gersi Josar Nyokalongo, Pepe Feli and Shungu Wembadio, And their ambition was to bring a new wave, a new sound to the Congolese music scene. They were very keen to blend in external influences ranging from soul, funk, rhythm and blues to rock and roll, into the DNA of Congolese music in order to revolutionize popular music in their country. They represented the youth which had hope in the newly acquired independence. The mix of all these aspirations, plus the wave of authenticity, gave birth to the most underrated Congolese music genre, which is known as Kavacha. The legend of Kavacha is that our three young men were on a trip to Pointe-Noire when they got inspired. Pointe-Noire is a city along the coast of the smaller Congo, also known as the Republic of Congo, and which you can reach by train from its capital, Brazzaville. The Congo Ocean Railway line linking the economic capital Pointe-Noire to Brazzaville is very famous, and that was the train which they took. So in the night, whilst listening to the train in motion, they paid more attention to its tempo and started improvising. Singing to that beat sounded good. And when they added to it Pepe Feli Manuacou's magic guitar, it led to a surprisingly nice and refreshing result. And they would eventually decide to use this tempo as the basis of their new sound. So when they got back to Kinshasa, they replicated the experience with appropriate instruments and in a proper setup to feel and record that same energy. When instruments were abandoned, electric guitar took a more prominent place, and vocals were supported by drums on a faster, train-motion-like tempo. Kavacha was born. Our young Jules Chungu chose his first stage name. Jules Presley. And although the influence clearly comes from Elvis Presley and rock and roll, in reality, it was purely a cosmetic choice. His main influences came from musicians such as Taboule in Congolese music, Johnny Pacheco from Latin America, and the likes of Otis Redding and James Brown from the U.S. When they started dropping their first hits, the band Zaiko Langa Langa went viral, if we use today's vocabulary. And Congolese youth embraced fully their new sound. Their impact was huge and they represented the arrival of the hippie movement in Africa as they dragged so many young Congolese and Africans out of their homes to party and dance late at nights, but also early in the mornings. On a personal level, it is also more or less at the same time that he would meet his wife-to-be and life partner Marie-Rose Bibi. She is also known as Amazon. The beautiful Amazon was the center of attention of many young handsome chappies, but she chose to give her heart to Shungu Wembadio. Many songs of his portfolio are dedicated to her. In 1971, the country was renamed Zae, and that was also when Jude Presley changed his stage name back to his birth name, Shungu Wembadio Pene Kikumba. The band Langa went from success to success and Shunk Wembadio’s notoriety started growing as well. More and more fans on both sides of the river, and especially in the female audience, started to come see their performances primarily to see him, a very handsome and charismatic young man who sang with a beautiful and very seductive voice. At the time, songs such as Pauline and Shushuna, which he composed, made him very popular with the public. Both compositions are love songs dedicated to ladies respectively called Pauline and Shushuna. So his career as a singer started taking off, but it was not yet paying off. Then, in 1973, another critical event would occur in his personal life. Mama Nyondo brutally dies in a car accident. And Shungu, who had already lost his father in 1966, now became the firstborn of a big family, who would have to assume the breadwinner role in its entirety. The loss of his mother was such a traumatic experience that he would never really recover from it until the end of his life. Feeling so much pain and being extremely emotional, he then composed one of his most touching and famous songs with Zaiko Langalanga, Langa, which is called Liwayasomo. Liwaya Somo can be translated as a sudden brutal death, and a song dedicated to the memory of his mother expressed how he felt about his newly-unforeseen situation as an orphan. After the death of his mother, Papa Wimba also went through a difficult period in his professional career he left the group Zaiko at the height of its fame to form another group. It is true that Shungu had lived most of his life in the capital, but not being born in Kinshasa would always cause him many issues in various collaborations, and especially when it came to leadership matters, because his colleagues would never accept him fully as a leader, even if he was the most legitimate from a musical point of view. His artistic sensibility and visionary mindset were always pushed to the side by those who considered themselves better than him, simply because they were natives from the capital. The group Isifilokoli had a very brief career, and funnily enough, on the long run, the main song that stayed in popular memory from that formation would be Amazon, a song which Shungu Wimbadio composed to honor his wife in 1975. That band would also go through its own internal crisis and ended up being split further when Shungu Wimbadjo left with a couple of mates to form Yoka Lukole. A new band, which for various reasons would not really be successful either. But for Shungu, this experience ended brutally when he was kicked out of the group unexpectedly. His career was at the bottom and he was left to himself, with little to no support from his peers and a lot of family duties he could not escape. On the other side, Zaeko Langalanga, which he had left a few years ago, was more successful than ever. Their last dance move, Shoke, was very popular and everyone was swearing by it. In addition to that, his role model, Tabule, had just participated to the Festac Festival in Nigeria in 1977. And that was a huge landmark in his career. Shungu Wimbadwe would have loved to participate to that experience as an additional singer, but his profile was never selected. So, completely broke and terribly lonely, he needed to work out other plans. Comes 1977, he was at the lowest of his career and needed to find a rebound. Otherwise, he would fall into depression forever. And his fans who genuinely appreciated his talent would only remember him as a blast from the past. Face up against the wall, he needed to come up with a new idea. That was when he decided to trust his guts and start a new band from scratch with a new generation of singers and musicians, less experienced but not less talented and definitely willing to try something new following his lead. So he checked his assets and liabilities. On the liabilities side, He had just been kicked out of this group quite shamefully did not have enough time to cash in savings to reinvest in a new venture or properly look after his loved one and he was not particularly a great fan of working with major companies or producers who could easily provide you all the security an artist needs with a substantive upfront payment in fact this could temporarily solve many issues but the downside to it is the loss of your rights to any songs produced. On the asset side, he obviously had a beautiful voice, a great sense of musicality, a few popular hits in his career and the sincere love of his public and especially the youth. However, having a great voice and the public on your side would not be sufficient to come back successfully. The music scene in Kinshasa and Brazzaville was booming and various bands were releasing hits after hits, keeping the crowds galvanized. So he clearly needed more than endearing memories to come back at the top. After various months of deep introspection, he came up with a very structured plan for his comeback. As the 28-year-old singer now assumed the entire responsibility of his family, he decided to officially become Papa Wimba and sit in the driver's seat to develop his new band. And after carefully studying the market, he worked to create a real artistic signature and a new brand for his fans. This is how Viva La Musica was born. The name came as a direct influence from the famous salsa band Fania All-Stars and one of its lead singers, Johnny Pacheco, used to constantly say e que viva la musica, which is Spanish for long live the music, and this late motive inspired Papa Wemba who wanted his comeback to be as memorable as that saying. So his first strategic move was to create a community within the community which would take the form of a village called Village Molokai. That village would be located in his beloved Matongi, and its members would be the actual residents from that cultural neighbourhood. And my Nigerian family? I see you. I see you because this village was directly inspired by Fela Kuti's Kalakuta Republic in Lagos. Papa Wimba could not participate to the Festac Music Festival in 77. However, he looked at it very closely from a distance. So when he heard that an iconic singer such as Fela had set up his own state within the state, up and against everything, including police brutality and harassment from the state, that sounded to him as a strong political and ideological position because he was showing to the world that even in the most difficult conditions, with a strong will, it is still possible to create a loving and united community where caring about each other would be the most valuable item. Papawimba thought that this was a brilliant idea and as a good marketer himself, he wanted to replicate that same model in Kinshasa. Even if the country was under dictatorship at the time, as we said earlier, the president and its institution, the government and the media included, were supportive of any initiatives and efforts to be more authentic. So clearly, his plan would work as it corresponded exactly to what they expected him to do. In that village he assumed the role of the traditional chief who would look after all of his constituents he would be their leader their custodian their father and their provider matonge being a very poor area of the city such news brought a lot of happiness to its residents but it also repositioned him as the king of kinshasa <laughs> All young Congolese, regardless of where they lived, looked up to him as a role model. And even the media was excited about his new community. What a great opportunity for advertisement. In 1981, they were finally ready for the big comeback. They were the primetime headliners, of the famous music TV show program of Telezair, and Papa Wimba had not been performing for a while. The audience, and especially his fans, were all very curious to finally discover how this Viva La Musica band sounded. As a professional showman, he kept them waiting for a good amount of time before showing up on stage. His musicians were playing to keep the crowds entertained, but really everyone wanted to see this new Papa Wimba. Suddenly, after an hour of play, the band was clearly switching the vibes up and when they started playing, it sounded a lot more traditional than typical Kvatcha, but yet it still had clear rock and roll influences. So when Papa Wemba showed up, the audience was blown away. He was preceded by several singers and dancers dressed in traditional attire and himself was wearing a full traditional outfit and carrying in his hand something which looked like a tiny broom, but was actually representing his authority as the chief of the village Molokai. He totally went back to his roots, incorporating Tetela Rhythms in this song, but also adding a touch of modernism with the electric guitars included in the mix. That famous song was Analengo. It became one of his most iconic and successful hits across his entire career. They came back successfully at the top, so it was mission accomplished for Papa Wimba and his band Viva la Musica. In 1982, Papa Wimba was back at the top and that had not been an easy journey because looking after his loved one, administering the village Molokai and being the manager of a band made him a very busy man. So when life finally decided to smile back at him, he had a lot of catch-up to do. He could finally touch from the tip of his fingers What so many Zaireans dreamt of doing every day, traveling to Europe, visiting Paris, seeing the Eiffel Tower and die. That was the dream that many young people had because they had lost hope in their president. So when Papa Wimba traveled, he, he wanted to spoil himself and show to the world that he had confirmed his position as an iconic pop star. Papa Wimba loved high fashion and especially looking elegant and trendy at all times. He was definitely a trendsetter and had to constantly keep innovating so that his fan base remained loyal to him. So it is almost naturally that he became the ambassador of La SAP in the world. La SAP is an acronym which stands for Société des Ambianceurs et des Personnes Elégantes, i.e. the Society of Joyful and Elegant Peoples. By joyful, we mean clubbers, party lovers, Lovers of any form of enjoyment really, whether it is through music, through dinners, through dancing, anything you name it involving enjoyment, and they are in for it. But they also like to look nice, so obviously you need to have the elegant part that goes with it. So in 1984, in addition to his title as the chief of the village Molokai, he also became the leader of the religion known as Kitendi. Kitendi means cloth, so he really had become the Pope of the sappers So right now if you are Congolese, you know exactly what I am referring to You know exactly what I am referring to because this is the most iconic Congolese movie that we've ever had and in this iconic movie, one of the lead characters was actually played by Papa Wimba. So really, because of the story involving music and his stature at the time being such an iconic pop star, it really made sense for him to have such role. And I believe the directors knew that by choosing him, they would give the movie another dimension. <laughs> So obviously, I am making reference to the movie La Vie est Belle, which is called Life is Rosy or Life is Beautiful in English. Released in 1987, it became a key cultural reference in Congolese cinema, which portrayed Kinshasa as a vibrant city and Zaireans as undeniably joyful, very resourceful and incredibly creative people in their daily lives. The movie won several awards, including one from the Ghent International Film Festival, And for those of you who are interested, you should be able to find it on YouTube. But I do not believe that English subtitles are available. Anyways, after this, Papa Wimber's career would never be the same. In the late 80s, Papa Wimba had now reached that international level he always aspired to. He was traveling everywhere and even went to Japan where he created a strong bond with the Japanese community. He had been all over and even recorded in France one of his best albums called Le Voyageur. Le Voyageur means the traveler in French, but Papa Wimba was also an artist who was living within his community not only the congolese community after visiting the island of gore in senegal he was terribly moved by that painful part of world history which destroyed africa gore island is the equivalent of elmina castle in ghana but up north along the coast of senegal in west africa and in 1989 he composed one of his most beautiful songs to show his solidarity with all Africans because he was no longer simply a Congolese artist, he was an African and a Pan-African artist who understood that when one of us suffers, all of us suffer. At the time, the situation in South Africa was very tense and the protest to demand Nelson Mandela's release had intensified. So, he really wanted to show with this song his support to the South African struggle, as well as show his respects to our ancestors who suffered from, uh, from this terrible um, Holocaust. That powerful Roomba song was called Esclave, which means slave in French. Now, let me add a big disclaimer here Papa Wimba was called in the 60s, in Congo, in a missionary school. So clearly, he was not aware of um, the depth of this part of history. So that probably explained why he chose that title. I personally refer to that history, always using the word of enslaved Africans. So the song had a huge impact, and he even went to New York to perform it live, and then further went on a tour in the U.S., So Papa Wemba was really reaching out to Africans everywhere. And to my Senegalese family, I say Nangadef, Nangadef, and listen to this. In the early nineties, Yusundu was touring with Peter Gabriel on one of his shows, but he needed to terminate that collaboration so he could pursue another direction with his career. So when Peter Gabriel asked him who could replace him, he instantly thought of Papa Wemba. And that's how they both got introduced. Papa Wimba toured on the same show with Peter Gabriel for two years, and that really took his career to the next level. He would suddenly be recognized outside of the African community who already knew his amazing talent. Many awards and opportunities for collaboration came knocking on his door. His international stature was definitely confirmed, and when he released his album Emotion under Peter Gabriel's music label, the West finally discovered him. Um, for the rest of us, Papa Wimba was simply showing to the world that he was capable of taking more risks and trying new things, even if he did not have to. The album was released in 1995 and the Congolese community was split in two categories. You had those who were his loyal fans and really welcomed welcomed it happily because their pop star was always a trendsetter and any new music genres it would include into uh, the Congolese portfolio would make them happy. And on the other side, you had those who rejected it because they um, saw it as an album made for a Western audience and they, they preferred much more the traditional uh, Congolese music genres, but again, the album is great, and you find amazing songs such as um, the cover of Otis Redding's uh, sad song, as well as Show Me the Way or Yo Lele, which are great catchy songs as well. So really, I cannot see any other Congolese artist who would have done it so beautifully. So for his generation and for what he's done, he it really took things to the next level and really brought Congo to the world. Papa Wimba was a pioneer who invented another Congolese music genre known as the rumba rock, and of which he became the king in the 90s. Now, you cannot look at Papa Wimba's career without mentioning the two most important women of his life his mother, Mama Nyondo, and the love of his life, Marie Rose Bibi. And when listening to his songs, which are most of the time sung in Lingala, you are actually listening to pure poetry. Because even if you do not understand the words, the energy and the emotions he puts into each song are very relatable. Papa Wimba was also a very open-minded artist who has done many, many collaborations in his career. Whether it was for the African Nations Football Cup in Mali, or with artists such as Manu Dibango and Angelique Kidjo uh, on the album Wak Africa, or with artists from the younger generation such as Diamond Platinum's Natalie Makoma or Singular, Papa Wemba collaborated with anyone, regardless of their age or music genres, as long as they were talented. In my opinion, one of his best collaborations was with Kofi Olomide in the album Wake Up, where they both sang in almost all songs of the album. Papa Wemba is also the man who revealed Kofi Olomide's talent to the public, as he used to be an additional singer for Viva la Musica at the very beginning of his career and now he also became a legend of Congolese music. In the later part of his life, Papa Wimba was a lot more spiritual than before. In 2003, he had been arrested in France for smuggling people in Europe as band members. He spent three months in jail, which affected him greatly, and the song Numéro des Crous came out of this experience. He was released on bail, but I do not want to go into much detail here because you need to know Congo and Zaya's history to fully understand this migration story. After that episode, Papa Wemba was very active and told a lot as his fans from all over the world were still very loyal to him. What is very strange is that a few months before his death, he said during an interview that he had seen himself passing away on stage during a show as performing became such a powerful experience to him. In April 2016, he was promoted as a key artist for the music festival of Anumabo in Ivory Coast. And it is only after a few minutes in his performance that he collapsed on stage to the great surprise of the audience and his band. A few hours later, we all heard the sad news being confirmed on social media and in the news. Papa Wimba died of a heart attack and left the big African family deeply saddened by his loss. Mm. So to you, Shungu Pene Kikumba, proud son of a military man and a loving mother who could sing pain like no one, to you who was elevated in his native province of Sankuru to the position of traditional chief and by his nation to the rank of national hero, I want to say thank you. Thank you for bringing Congo to the world and the world to Congo. Matondo Mingi, may your soul rest in power, ek viva la musica. Congratulations! You've just completed your first journey with Lisanga Vibes as we reach the end of this episode. Thank you for listening. I hope that you enjoyed it and learned something new. Feel free to share this with your friends, family, and anyone interested to learn more about Africa. Give us your feedback and reach out to us on social media so we can keep the discussion going. And do not forget to check out the playlist curated for this episode. It is available on our website, lisangavibes.com, and the various social media platforms. Finally, I hope to see you again very soon. The next episode will be released next month. Until then, stay safe, and as we say at home, to monani. You can now call me Marcy, and this is Lisanga Vibes' official podcast.